The Windows Store is your locally owned and operated go-to source for high-quality updates at affordable prices. They specialize in windows, kitchen refacing, roofing, and entry doors. After 20-plus years of going above and beyond for homeowners in Minnesota and in Wisconsin, they are proud to be one of the top home improvement companies in the country. With over 900-plus reviews on Google and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, you can count on them to provide you with the best possible experience. Now, they're a company that you can depend on for your current and future projects, all backed by their done-right guarantee. They'll provide you with straightforward, honest pricing and ensure that you are getting the best products for your needs installed by trained, licensed, and certified professionals. You can visit them online at www.windowstoreinc.com and let them guide you through every step of the process from start to finish. Welcome to Black and Blue with AK and Officer Jai. I am AK Kamara. I'm Jai Hanson. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing great. We have a great show lined up today. If this is your first time listening or watching, we're Black and Blue. And the reason we have that name is because in the world of politics and popular culture, there are times in which we get beat up. Maybe maybe it's because of the position that you hold. Maybe it's because of a belief system that you've professed with your mouth. But we want to always have interesting conversations with people that do get beat up in pop culture, in the mainstream, and have some meaningful conversations around that. And today is no different. We have someone that if you've paid attention at all to Minnesota politics, you know that there's this scary guy who's keeps on ascending to different levels of office. I've I've known of his name forever. I'm not going to even say his name because it's not worth it to me. But he is running against him to represent Minnesotans in the position of attorney general. So today we are bringing a candidate that we hopefully you know, you know that you can get to know and love as much as we do. Jim Schultz, welcome to the show, Jim. <laughs> Great to be with open you guys. Like that, man? Yeah, that, well, that was a good open. I like good. it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> it's good to be on with you. And uh, I was just saying before we started here, this is quite the professional podcast. It's great to great to be on with you. I appreciate the opportunity here. So. You know, we we really do try. We actually had this awesome neon sign coming today, and it, it just we couldn't get it to work quite right. So shout out to my wife. Thank you for driving for an hour to bring me the sign. Don't kill me because it's not up. I, I promise. But I mean, you 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 have to owe her something for that. Maybe like a foot rub or something. Right? Yes, I, I actually do owe her at least a thirty minute foot rub. So is that thirty I'm, minutes per foot? No, no, all together. It's a cumulative total. Oh, so now know. now every all of our listeners can keep. Me, you know, hold my feet to the fire while I am rubbing her feet. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's an excuse for me to come back. I can come back again when you have the, the sign up. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We can yeah. tell you all about it. Yeah. You know, Jim, before we started, I think it's something I, I want to even bring it up is because there's an aspect to being in the political field that people create like these caricatures of who you are. Right. Like you become like, you know, this this not real human. Hmm. Right. You might have a position, you might have said something, and someone thinks of you different. And I think that it's always interesting to point out how small the worlds can be. <laughs> and we were talking earlier that I know a family, and you know the same family, and it's not because of our political anything. Yeah. It's just everyday people. And so yeah. I, I wanted to just bring that up because I think there's so much more that connects us with who we are as people yeah. than kind of the way that we're drawn 
And I just think that that's interesting. So shout out to the Millis family. What is up? You guys are amazing people. Um, You know, kind of down that same vein, a lot of people are going to have political feelings one way or another. But can you kind of tell me, like, why did you want to actually run for office? You know, not specifically AG, but just that call to run and and represent the people's interests. Yeah, that's a good it's a good question. Um, In a lot of ways, like this race made zero sense for my wife and I. We've got three little girls, seven, three and one. Uh, We haven't slept in about four years, to be be honest (laughs) with you. We uh, I was in a comfortable spot professionally. And um, and so, you know, like from a personal perspective, it made zero sense. I thought maybe at some point in my life I would run for public office, but it would be like certainly, you know, girls out of the house, you know, my, you know, me having, uh, having been well, been well along in my career and so forth. But we just kind of felt called to, to step forward at this current moment in our history. Uh, we've all seen it. I think a lot of people feel, I certainly feel that we're just losing the state we've known and loved here in Minnesota. Uh, yeah. And it starts with really the violent crime. Uh, we've lived, we're living through the greatest increase in violent crime in many, many decades. And when I look out at our state's leadership, starting with Keith Ellison, I felt like we we didn't have the leadership we needed. We have an attorney general who backed defunding the police, the Minneapolis Charter Amendment, to deconstruct the largest police force in the state. I, my view was that was remarkably reckless and disturbing. And you go down the list, and we we felt like there had to be change in that office, and that we we could we could uh, that I could help deliver it, and, and but it's currently certainly a, a joint decision with my with my wife Molly and I, which felt like we both had to step step up, and yeah. so um, so that was the background. Yeah, so, I think that's important. I also think it's powerful, you know, to that point that you're mentioning, you know, Jai, you know, what is it from your perspective, like law enforcement, that you look at an attorney general uh, in general, like just when you're looking at who they are. Is it something that you view as like, you know, adversarial? Because it feels like that's what it's been. Well, it it has been the last four years. Absolutely. I mean, we have a attorney general right now that has uh, shown over and over again that he does not support public safety, even though uh, it's election time. And now he's kind of changing his tune a little bit. Uh, and we'll dive into that. How many days out are we from the election right now? We are uh, 19 days out here now. So how 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 are you feeling about the election? How are yeah. you feel, like? Are you tired? Are you are you? Tell me a little bit about the campaign fatigue. I mean, I'm, we've talked about it. A little bit. <laughs> well, you know, I've got plenty of Red Bull and plenty of coffee, so that's certainly keeping me uh, keeping me conscious. But uh, yeah, 19 days out, we're on track to win this race. We got to keep fighting, keep working hard. But a poll just came out a little while ago today that had us up by five points. Wow. Um, so we're, yeah, we're in the drive seat here and we just got to keep working hard stay at it not take anything for granted but um i'd be lying to say if i wasn't you know occasionally a little right. bit tired uh, tired on the race you know it's uh we've you know been all over the state you know the um you know, just thousands of miles uh you know going you know every, anywhere and everywhere we'll be traveling again this weekend um with an event in st cloud and then and elsewhere and uh and but you know just working hard to make sure we get it done you know we i tell my team every day you know failure is not an option we have to win. We have to win for the future of our state, for our kids, our grandkids. And so we, you know, we just have to, you know, do whatever it takes to make sure it, make sure it happens. And, you know, we can sleep, sleep a little bit afterwards. Um, but for now, we just got to keep, keep working hard. So that conviction that you just talked about, that you have to win. I imagine that when you first started and you announced that that has been a much more growing, um, if you want to say like almost not burden, that's probably not the right way to describe it, but like when you're out there and you're talking to people and you see that there's yeah. this need, yeah. is this kind of something that's just developed and you just feel like you have to do this for the people? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's people, you know, the people who support you and say, like, you know, they, they trust you to get it done. Yeah, um, you know, and I certainly feel it 
when I talk to men and women in law enforcement who feel like, you know, there, there isn't anybody I've met in law enforcement who, who doesn't feel like there's a target on their backs right now because they have an attorney general's office that is remarkably hostile to, um, to what they do every day. Remarkably hostile. I mean, you know, the Kim Potter case being a representative example, upcharging Kim Potter. She, you know, she, she made a serious mistake, but the attorney general's office, you know, upcharged her to first degree manslaughter and prosecuted her aggressively. And it's cases like that. It's backing defunding the police and, and so forth, where, where police for the first time, I think in Minnesota's history, they don't feel like they have an attorney general who is, who is, um, who's anything but hostile. And so I feel, I feel the burden of that. I feel the burden of people in North Minneapolis, other troubled neighborhoods who feel like they, they've been left behind. They feel like. They, the um, the so-called leadership in our state has failed them so dramatically because they're living in communities where you know they're wondering if they're going to get shot on the way to school, and that is an absolute disgrace. It just it burns me up inside. No no Minnesotan should should have to, to wonder if they're going to get shot on the way to school or get carjacked going to to, to uh, the grocery store. And yeah. then so many people feel that way now. Jim, I got to ask you from a police officer's perspective, mm-hmm. how do you uh, bridge that gap? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last four years have been uh, pure hell when it comes from the kind of support we've been getting from the attorney general. And uh, it's pretty clear. Anybody in law enforcement understands that. Yeah. You have a lot of work to do and how how to repair those relationships with public safety. And what steps are you going to take? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd say, you know, number 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 one, you, you can't do the really bad things. You can't do the really bad things like fundamentally deliver fundamentally political justice like like Keith Ellison has has done you know you saw it in the in the Kim Potter case where it wasn't about the underlying law or the uh, the underlying act it was about the, the politics around it and he he upcharged her because of because of the politics and so we need an attorney general that's focused on doing justice every day of the week and and not treating police any different than anybody else out there and um and, and so you can't do that we can't do things like back you know just deconstructing the largest police force in our state but alongside that we have got to do really constructive things we have to you know i want to create within the office uh you know law enforcement liaison position where we'll we have, talk we have, about the yeah, office a little yeah, bit talk yeah. about how many uh lawyers are in the office yep. how many the oversight that you would have with that office yeah yeah so there's roughly 150 or so attorneys in the office um the office is a variety of things um one key piece um, should be the, the criminal division um, of the office. It used to be it used to be sizable. It used to support the work of county attorneys around the state, the work of law enforcement around the state, and that is now only three criminal prosecutors. Only three in three. a state of yeah, that's right, three people in a state of five and a half million people, eighty-seven counties. Uh, it's um, it's an absolute outrage, you know, and that that Keith Ellison hasn't responded to this current moment of historic crime by increasing the size of that division. He hasn't. He's been he's sat on his hands. And so we need to dramatically increase the uh, increase the size of that. Um, there's other there's you know, other priorities in the office: consumer protection, um, not a non a charities division that oversees nonprofits. There's other other things we have to do. But on the criminal side, we have an attorney general's office that is at dramatically under resourced for the for what we need to do right now. Because the greatest challenge our state faces is dealing with historic violent crime. And the Attorney General's Office of Minnesota has been missing in action throughout. The Ramsey County Ramsey County Sheriff Bob Fletcher has used that term exactly, missing in action throughout this historic crisis. And so we have to have an Attorney General's Office that is partnering with law enforcement to aggressively prosecute violent crime. You know, I, I know I know so many people in, um, in law enforcement who feel so frustrated, they'll pick up somebody one night and then see them out committing the exact same crime a few nights later. We cannot have that. 
that is, and, and, you know, in the victims, you know, feel it too, you know, you know, people being victimized by people who should be in prison, in jail or otherwise. And right now we, we, um, we have so-called leaders who are facilitating this, uh, this, and it's an absolute outrage. So I like to wax, um, philosophy once in a while. And I think it's important to try and break things down into a way that people that don't really care about this stuff, um, from like a, a, a philosophical standpoint can try and better understand it. So, there's a, a clear difference of a belief of how society works between you and Keith Ellison. Mm-hmm. Keith Ellison has this position that somehow if you decriminalize criminals, that they will commit less crimes, that mm-hmm. that crime comes from only a place of only opportunity. And so I think that when you put everything into this bucket, you have the Chesa Boudins of the world, you have the Keith Ellisons of the world. They're like, if we just you know stop over-policing people, people will act right. You know, what do you say to someone that's like, well, that's a nice idea, but what's the comeback? Do you think that Mm -hmm. there's a line there that maybe you can get a little bit closer that not so over overly policed? Or do you kind of set a different standard? Do you have a different philosophy of how you view people and specifically criminals? Yeah, yeah. I think I'd give two answers. One is kind of very tangible um, and one is kind of philosophical. Number one, you can look out and see what works. Right. You right. can look to you can look out to San Francisco and see the mess that San Francisco has become. Yeah. And, well, you and don't that, even have to look at yeah, San Francisco. Look, look, look right, right here. here. Exactly. That's yeah, right. That's drug ends. That's exactly right. You know, you've seen we've, we've seen this experiment. You know, the Minneapolis City Council you know moved eight million dollars or so to social work and violence interrupters and things like that. And of course, we had 100 murders in Minneapolis last year and six, 750 carjackings. And so we've, we've seen the tangible results of that. Um, philosophically, I, I think one thing you could say is. Is you know in the um, Minneapolis Charter Amendment proposal, it said you know we're to get rid of the staffing minimum staffing ratios, different things. But it, and then it had a parenthetical and it said you know to include police if necessary, to include police if necessary, um, and that to me is such utopian nonsense. Completely, the people who signed on to that, the Minneapolis City Council members, Keith Ellison, they should not. Oh, it is that is such a dumb idea. They should not only not be reelected again. They should spend the rest of their lives apologizing to the people of Minnesota, because there's no world, this side of heaven, where police will not be necessary. Because human human beings are fallen. Mm-hmm. They are fallen. Mm-hmm. That, that is, you know, people commit wrong actions, and that's why we need police. We need police uh, because human beings are imperfect and they do bad things. And so the, the you know explicit charter amendment that contemplates a world in which there's no police that tells me that anybody who supports that is disconnected from reality. And so that's the very philosophical point. But well, that's been his life work. I mean, yeah. talk about when he was an attorney and uh, some of the people that he defended. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, I mean, to, you want to talk about when I say there is a long tradition that uh, you're going to have to work with uh, law enforcement to build that relationship back. Yep. We have an attorney general right now that uh, has defended certain people, and I'll let yeah. you speak about that. Yeah. I mean, this is an attorney general who, when he was in private practice, you know, represented a man who was implicated in the execution of Jerry Hoff. He represented Sharif Wilson in another matter. He was a Minneapolis cop. He was a Minneapolis yeah. cop, you know, you know executed um, simply because he was a cop. And, uh, and, you know, represented Sharif Willis, he represented, you know, a cocaine dealer who murdered three people and so forth. And I mean, we can have, you know, we need criminal defense attorneys are part of our system and so forth. We can, we can have them. But what, what my criticism of Allison is that he's brought that mentality of a criminal defense attorney to the attorney general's office where he is far more focused 
far more focused on the rights of criminals mm -hmm. than the rights of victims. And and with that it comes a certain hostility to law enforcement. You see it in, through permeate his time as attorney general. You've seen it permeate his entire his entire career. You know, he said, you know, he stand up, uh, he's, you know, stood, did a rally alongside, you know, Sarah Jane Olson, Olson Kathleen Salaya, a domestic terrorist. You, know, you see this, you know, throughout his career. And he's he's extreme. You know, he's, he's extreme. Is, is there's no other way uh, to describe him. And he, he has demonstrated throughout his career a remarkable hostility to law enforcement. Now, this might sound like I'm a, a step too far ahead, and I can completely respect that. But my question is, do you think that there can be a point from the attorney general's perspective that if you have um, too too much of a police presence, right? Like, yep. I, I think that there's this this balance, right, where you have to find Absolutely. a good place. Yeah. Um, but as Attorney General, if you feel that it's going too hard one direction, that you know these crackdowns are are hardcore, what could you do, or do you think that there is a role for the Attorney General if you feel that? Things are being, you know, let's say over enforced too much. Mm -hmm. um, it, how would you handle that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'd say, yeah, a few things. You know, of course, any criminal conduct, right? You know, I mean, you know, and I would, I would categorize, <laughs> you know, Derek Chauvin's actions as criminal conduct. You know, mm -hmm. actions along those lines. You know, I would work with county prosecutors to aggressively prosecute. We cannot have criminal conduct um, um, by folks and by folks in law enforcement. That's incredibly rare. As we all, as we all know, but we can't have it, and we'll hold accountable law enforcement who, um, who, um, who does, who, who does engage in that. But we, of course, know it's incredibly rare. Um, alongside that, um, we have to partner. You know, I think the attorney general's office can be a real part of the solution in terms of ensuring that communities that uh, um, have buy-in into the law enforcement that are taking place in their in their communities. You know, and and we're really working to partner with with communities. Jai, I know that you, I know you know this well in, as somebody who's worked in law enforcement for many many years. But really sure ensuring that there's a real partnership between police and folks in in communities because not, it's, you know not everything not every um, not everything that police do, you know, day to day is perfect, you know, and we have to ensure that there is an ongoing dialogue between folks in, in, um, in, in communities and, and, and folks in law enforcement and the AG's office. Um, I'm not going to pretend that we are the, um, you know, the central place, you know, kind of day to day, you know, in that, in that dialogue. But I think there's an important seat at the ta table for yeah. the AG's office. Because, yeah, I, I don't you know, think it should be, Yeah, but yeah. it has been because that's what, honestly, that's what Ellison does. He's, He's yeah. this activist attorney general yeah. where I think that people, they, they want an attorney general that actually does what the attorney general is supposed to do. Yeah. If you want to if you want to be that political activist, then go be a political activist. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Well, he will yeah. uh, come January. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He'll, he'll yeah, get yeah, a yeah. shot, man. He'll that's be right, back exactly, out yeah. there. You know? That's right. That's right. <laughs> you, no, you, said, yeah. you said something about the criminal division has yeah. three attorneys in it right now. Yeah. Well, what would you like to see that number grow to? Do you have a range that you think would be um, – Yeah acceptable yeah i mean i think we need at least 30 um and then we'll reevaluate once we were staffed to that matter we'll reevaluate over time you know whether or not we need more but um but we need at least that to, you know we've got this is a big state lots of counties lots of um we're living through a historic increase in violent crime as we all know and we need we need at least that to be a real partner for county attorneys there's cases we can bring directly into rico and and otherwise yep. but to be a real partner for county attorneys out there and um and so that's that's the size i'm envisioning right now when it comes to, you know, the grind of campaigning, mm -hmm. you're out there, you're talking to people. For you, how do you try and separate um, not taking all that baggage home, man? Because I, I imagine as you've been out there, you've heard some pretty terrible things yeah. of misjustices that have happened to people. Oh, yeah. um, and, you know, e even I would say 
um, those personal stories. Like, is there anything that you do? Do you like to listen to music to kind of uh, decompress and decompartmentalize or do you just yeah. take it as energy and it moves you forward? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, there is, you know, I sat with a, a month or so ago, I, I sat with a um, Latino woman whose husband had just been killed by street racers. Um, or it was maybe a week earlier or so or something like that. And uh, it's stories like that. And I'm sure Jai, as somebody who's you've made a career in law enforcement, I'm sure you've had many such conversations. And uh, I can't say I found a kind of perfect I mean, it's a, a means to let go of a lot of that it does stay stay with you. Um, I would say, you know, I'm a, I'm a person of faith. And I take my faith very seriously and I try to take the burdens of life generally to, um, to, um, to the God I believe in, you know, and try to, try to leave him, leave him with him. And, uh, because, you know, uh, these are some, there's just some things that, you know, you're not strong enough yourself to, to, to lift. And so you gotta, you gotta leave them there. And so that's what I, that's what I do. I can't say that I'm perfect. I can't say that I walk in every night to my, to my family and I'm not thinking about the last conversation and, and, uh, and so forth, but that's at least what I do. And, but I should get some advice from Jai. On that. <laughs> well, you know, you know, what, what do you do, do Jai? Yeah. Oh, well, we only have an hour. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, we, you're on the road a lot. You're probably doing a lot of, you know, quick stops here or there. And yeah. I think our producer may have had a, have a video of one of your favorite spots uh, that you like to frequent. Oh, is that right? Yes. Yeah. So if we have that video ready, Gabe, uh, we'll, we'll take a look at it. But, right. you know, I want to know also what kind of music you listen to. You know, you're you're, yeah. you're on the road a lot. Yes. We, yeah, just had, right. we had a country singer in here the other day. And he did the had the whiskey, wine, and beer challenge. Oh, and I crushed it. That's so, right. I mean, if you, if you yeah. want to do that tonight, we'd be happy to get that set up for <laughs> you. Right. But I think That's you right. have like other, other events That's after right. this. That's right. Yeah, well, you know, on the road, I'll be honest with you, on the road these days, we um, I'm, like, hardly listening to anything because I, you know, I got, got somebody usually driving me, and I'm just making phone calls to, uh, to people to – ask for votes or to ask for people to contribute to the campaign or to talk with, uh, do an interview thing here and there. So not too much music on the road, but I do, um, I do, uh, uh, a, um, I will say in terms of music these days, you know, uh, Mumford and Sons, I've been listening when I'm working out and stuff that I've been doing that. Uh, let's see, you know, growing up, I like, I listen to kind of like a lot of alternative stuff, Foo Fighters, yeah, uh, right. things like You're that. You're a Foo yeah. fan? Oh, here we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny? Here we go. So, yeah. you know, I was telling you about, you know, we we know the same family. Yeah. I actually brought him and his wife to the Foo Fighters concert like five years ago because where I used to work, um, we bought into a suite as a, as a corporation and yeah. all the agents bought into it. I'm a huge Is that right? Fan. Is that right? Yeah. yeah man, so we, I went, could, we could be just rocking and jamming. My, man. My, my first concert ever was when I was like in... 10th grade or so at the Target Center, the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, they go they go way back for me. So this is, this is what yeah. I love about having these conversations is like, yes, being, um, you know, running for attorney general and and I think you'll win. Uh, it's it's some serious stuff, but you're also a human being, you know, and, and I think it's important for people to understand. So mm -hmm. if our producer has that video pulled up, I think this is a great, um, <laughs> great example of the humanity. Hi, I'm Jim Schultz, uh, your candidate for attorney general, attorney general. I'm outside the Arby's here in St. Louis Park. I've taken a lot of criticisms. I am a firm supporter of Arby's. I love Arby's. I love the fries. I love the roast beef sandwiches. I used to go growing up get the five for five ninety five deal. So I love Arby's. I've taken a lot of criticism, but I'm not a politician. I'm not going to have my finger to the wind uh, over time. You know, even if I get the criticism, I'm going to support Arby's. It's a great institution, and um, and I really love Arby's. 
<laughs> so you you gotta you gotta give us like did they pay you for that first of all? How'd that probably get paid? How'd, how'd get paid? I really should I should get paid for that. Jack. You're right. I, you know you know I uh, well you know, so I my, get some criticism. My team criticizes me for my my Arby's. You know I I you know I rank them as the number two best uh, fast food. I love McDonald's is number one. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, Arby's after that, and then um, and then Wendy's and Culver's are tied for third for me. But the uh, but so I'm always on the campaign trail. I'm I'm I was asking them to stop and if Arby's is there that's at the top of the list towards the top of the list and so but yeah you know the roast beef sandwich you know I used to I grew up in St. Cloud by St. Cloud we used to go to this crossroads mall in St. Cloud get get the five for five ninety five you know five roast beef sandwiches yeah. at once it was awesome you know but uh but yeah so um, I'm a big I'm a big fan and I know <laughs> these days though like people you know the, my team always says oh Arby's is terrible things like that um but I don't know if you guys have a position on on Arby's but I I certainly so my like, wife is a huge Arby's fan her father for a time I think he was either a franchise owner or he is that was right? like a general manager. Wow. Um, and so like my wife has always loved Arby's. Now I grew up in Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Okay. Uh, we didn't have an Arby's. Oh. So McDonald's was my go-to jam. Yeah. You know, I'm, I was okay with Dairy Queen once they switched over to the grill and chill. Yeah. But I, I do like me some Arby's and they right now have like a really cheap special. So you're able to actually get <laughs> a bunch of Arby's roast beefs, yeah. Yeah. get some horsey sauce. Oh, Are yeah. you a horsey guy? Absolutely. Horsey. Absolutely. Are you a horsey yes. or Arby's yes. guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, I like Arby's. Where's your nice, go-to yeah. spot? I, you know, my go-to right now would be Taco Bell. It's oh. Late oh. night. It's a, uh, no, I, no I'm fan. Not, I'm not a Taco Bell fan. You know, guy. You know I'm going to have to see what Keith Ellison likes. <laughs> <laughs> I just lost a vote. Boy, boy, that's not good. <laughs> I no, will no, say no. their nacho fries are, are pretty decent, man. Like, the, they came back, you know, they had them out for a while, and then they were all crazy, and they left, and then they came back. Baja Blast is a jam. But to me, like, quite literally – Every burrito from Taco Bell tastes the same to me. Yes. It's either like this is the chicken burrito, and I don't care what else you put on it. It has the same taste. But when you do Arby's, like all their sandwiches taste different. Plus, they got the meat. See, this yeah. is what yeah. happens yeah. when you do a podcast with two big guys, and we just start talking food, <laughs> and then we forget that we had Attorney General race going no, on. So we'll go back. Me. You know, you want to take the next hour talking about fast food? I'm more than more than willing. So you know, I actually wanted to to mention this too. Um, you and I ran in somewhat similar circles when we were in college. Yeah. So I, I was at the University of Minnesota basically from 2005, uh, five into six, actually no, six until 10. And I was part of an organization called the College Republicans. And I was at the U of M, but, you know, St. Thomas always had a pretty active chapter, mm -hmm. which makes sense, you know, because they're, tend to be more conservative, at least back then, than the very liberal U of M. Mm -hmm. So, like, we we ran in, like, similar circles. And yeah. the reason I, I like to just mention this is that it's important to understand that these caricatures that keep getting drawn of who candidates are are sometimes so far off basis, and, and that's what it is. The other thing I wanted to say, too, um, you probably don't remember because you've talked to a million people, but for me, it's the first time I ever talked to you. You called me when you were running, um, seeking endorsement, and you were actually the only attorney general uh, uh, candidate running for the Republican endorsement that called me. And we had like probably like a 40 minute conversation, man. And I was like, mad respect because you were grinding. So the fact that you're bringing that that forward. So I, I just wanted to kind of ask you, um, you know, your your life did not start down this path where here you are running for attorney general. Um, you know, how do you bring that same passion and faith that you had that kind of how you started your, your life when you're going to your professional career to where you're at right now? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'd say from the beginning of this campaign, we just were kind of on a mission mission 
to get it done, you know, and we were willing to walk through whatever walls we needed to, to do it. And, um, yeah, you know, you, as you mentioned, you know, in the lead up to the Republican endorsement, I was making a ton of phone calls to folks like your, yourself. And, you know, there's some days where I, I think it was a day I made 170 phone calls in a single day and, you know, made many thousands through the course of the endorsement. And, and then of course, you know, calling others, you know, um, as well, donors, things like that through, um, throughout the race. And, you know, I, I grew up, in rural Minnesota, in kind of farm country, I, my parents didn't have a farm, but my um, but kind of farm country. I grew up working on farms. My first job was to tasseling seed corn, which is you know anybody who's done it is yeah. a, a very very uh, uncomfortable job, no, uh, hard hard job. And I just kind of learned how to work hard um, in that setting. And uh, and I've kind of just learned through life that like you can make up for lots of you know of weaknesses by just working hard and grinding. And, uh, and so that's been, you know, from, for, as a camp, as a campaign, we just don't want to leave anything out on the field. We don't want, you know, we want to outwork uh, our, our competitors every day of the week. And, um, and that's, that's paid, paid dividends for us. And we've been on a mission mission. Cause you know, we feel like, as I said, you know, this is not an, a race that we can lose. We have to win for yeah. the future of our state. And so we just have worked hard to do that. Yeah. Growing up in the rural area, now I know you live in the metro area right yeah. now, um, and people are getting hit with the crime. I know you know that on a personal level with your sister. Yeah. Uh, and what happened to her? I believe yeah. she lives in North Minneapolis. Yes, yeah, that's right. Uh, can you tell our listeners what, what yeah. how that affected her? Yeah, yeah. So do you have to tell the story? Um, she was sitting down to her breakfast table one morning in January of 2021, and um, she heard gunshots outside her home. She dropped to the floor. She couldn't see it, but a, a man had careened his car into her yard. He had been on a chase with police, and he was shooting out his back windows at police uh, who were returning fire. Uh, a police officer had to rush into her house to get her out of there at one point to, so that a stray bullet wouldn't, wouldn't hit her. Um, the end result was multiple bullet holes in her home. She was she was not struck, um, but I still remember her calling me that morning in tears, and uh uh, I met, remember meeting with the BCA that night, the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension. That night, she stayed with us for a few nights because she's been feel safe in her home, and and that day is going to be with her all her life. Yeah. And um, and it's representative of the level of violence in North Minneapolis right now, and many other parts of the Twin Cities. And and that sort of you know, of course, you know, she her her story ended up you know it's going to be with her, but it ended up okay. She was not struck. She wasn't yeah. killed. But the um, but a lot of people haven't been so lucky. Well, you you know that's yeah. that's on a family level. You'll never forget that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we, you know we have a lot of we have U of M right here mm-hmm. in, in our mm-hmm. backyard that mm-hmm. we have families sending their kids not only from just yeah. Minnesota from all over this country, yeah. uh, wanting them to get the best education and be safe at the same time and be able to go out and enjoy yeah. college experience. I had a friend of mine whose son was jump for his cell phone, Mm -hmm. you know, after Mm -hmm. bar close. And what would you say to those parents um, that are very concerned right now about the safety of their kids that are going off to college? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, of course the U has had really, you know, a lot of challenges around public safety uh, around, I think it was deeply wrong. They severed ties with the police department um, uh, in uh, a couple of years ago. And I'm I'm glad they have resigned, you know, with them, with the police department, the, um, and I think I think things um, can get better. I think it's important that we have change in 2022, and that and and allow and have leadership that will prioritize safety throughout the throughout Minnesota, especially you know, and, and also at the the U of M. Um, we have to make sure that kids you know have, can feel safe, can feel safe there. Um, and and right now, I know a lot of people don't. 
How do you envision the attorney general's office helping in those kind of situations? Yeah. How, you know, what aid could you assist the U of M? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say broadly, it's part of, uh, it's part of the, the whole of supporting law enforcement within the Metro, you know, part of the challenge we have in Minneapolis is, you know, we're down, as you know, a few hundred police officers and I can't hire my, my, uh, those police officers myself as attorney general, but I can certainly be a voice supporting law enforcement, but you have to stop the bleeding. You know, there's an incredible uh, attrition in that police force and in other police forces, people leaving law enforcement in part because they've been slandered. They've been vilified by many people in, in public office. And so we need people to stand up as public leaders to say law enforcement is critical to the future of Minnesota. We cannot be these these days of slandering, vilifying law enforcement are over, and we're gonna have we're gonna have their back. We're gonna support them. Obviously, if you know if wrongdoing is done, we'll hold people accountable. But that's so incredibly rare, and we're gonna support them every day of the week. And um and so to provide provide real leadership, provide leadership at the legislature. We need resources for um for a lot of things. You know, there's a great there was a public safety package that died last year. Keith Ellison, again, was missing in action in terms of pushing it through, but it was resources for things like carjacking, resources for hiring and retention bonuses for for um, for law enforcement, um, for law enforcement in Minnesota to help to help ensure that we have the, the folks we need. And, and, and so I would think of, you know, strategies around the U of M um, as it relates to the AG's office anyway, as being comparable to strategies for the metro as a whole that we just simply we need more more police officers and we need more criminal prosecution um, so that criminals know again that there actually are consequences for crime because right now so many criminals feel like there's not consequences. There's a, they're they're emboldened. I, I yeah. want to uh, point out just a couple of comments from, from uh, people that are watching at home. Again, thank you so much. Uh, Kathy, Jai and I appreciate, um, you know, the, the praise that you're heaping on us. 100% we want to be able to have meaningful conversations, maybe from a different way that most people look, you know, uh, just looking at myself and Jim sitting here, I'm wearing a hoodie and uh, just being, you know, casual. And, 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 you know, Jim is out here uh, showing his best, his best foot forward, putting his best face forward. But honestly, we want to have these types of, of conversations that are meaningful and that go more than just hearing an interview. I, I'm sure, Jim, you've given a bunch of really great interviews. I know that people can go and visit your website. We've been kind of flashing that up so they can look at some of your more specific policy positions. But what we really try and do on the show is dive more into things to kind of showcase who you are as a person. Of course, policy matters. And and you've been talking a lot um, about how important it is to support law enforcement. I know that um, we also had one of uh, another commenter, uh, Cotter, last name. I, I wish I remember what the first name was, but asked a question that um, we kind of already addressed. So Richard Cotter, thank you very much, um, talking about the U of M. And, and I think you guys really did nail it. But it does come back to this question of leadership and in the AG's office. You have such a loud voice to be able to to, to really hold um, leadership in, in kind of like in the same vein, because, you know, would you describe that the attorney general is the top, um, you know, it's law enforcement, law enforcement, mm -hmm. you know, chief figure. law enforcement yeah, right. officer in, yeah. in, the in the state. Right. Yeah. Yep. And so it's like if you're quiet and you're not saying anything, then you're sending a signal. That is a signal mm -hmm. that you're not there to to do and uphold what the law is. Yeah. Um, and that's what we've had. That's for no, four years. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. And and Tim Christopher uh, Rev, he did ask a good question. And I kind of, you know, said it back and sometimes we kind of get off a track here, which is good because I think it's good to have a flowing conversation. But is there any worry from from your perspective or have you heard any worry that let's say that we staff back up to all the levels we need all across the state? Mm -hmm. are, are there things that you are going to have your office make sure that if people do have complaints um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with 
the very small percentage of bad apples. So like reform, right? Yeah, like yeah, a yeah. reform. You know, where 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 do you feel that your office can help with that or make sure that there's still an open channel of communication? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have to. I mean, the police departments always can be improved. You know, I mean, they're 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 a reflection of humanity, and humanity is is imperfect. You know, and we have to. You know, where there are um, areas for improvement, where there are failings, we have to address them. And you know, there's failings. There there's failings in the AG's office. We have to address those. There's failings in other parts of our government, and we have to continue to address those. And there are statutory. You know, we I think we have to look for ways in, in which you know statutory changes. You know, there has been positive developments. I think you know I was supportive of the um, you know ban on warrior style training that happened um coming out of the george floyd uh killing i think the the murder um, of george floyd the um, um ban on chokeholds things along those lines i do think we have to you know look for for ways in which um, whether it be legislatively or in terms of training or otherwise where we can continue to improve our police departments and and it's not like we're saying you know we you know it's all it's all just law and order you know, we, we have to ensure that that we're real partnership with communities, that we're working to address, you know, in, in certain instances, you know, some underlying causes, mental health things, things along those lines, that there's adequate resources for um, for folks. I've got a brother who's seriously mentally ill. I know that that is something that um, that touches a lot of people's lives and, of course, does meaningfully impact, impact crime. And so um, the, um, you know, uh, it, Aggressive prosecution, policing, and so forth are a critical element of the um, of the um, uh, of the solution to our violent crime problems, but they're not the only solution. And so we have to ensure that we're addressing it holistically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and supporting hear, supporting law enforcement includes reform yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. And I think people in public safety uh, know that. I, mm-hmm. I know my partners do, and mm-hmm. I'm very proud to be a part of that group that understands mm-hmm. that we need reform. Mm-hmm. So it goes hands hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ian, honestly, uh, it's been awesome having you on the show, Jim. I know that you do have, uh, you know, more work to do. You know, you're out there. I, like you said, you're a grinder. Um, even just the short time that we've been able to spend together on top of the, like, hour-long conversation we had before, <laughs> I know that you're out there. And, and like you said, you have that conviction that you have to win. And, mm-hmm. and I know that, that you're going to do that for the state. For anyone, again, that's watching or listening, please visit Jim's website, jim4mnag.com, jim4mnag.com, uh, to be able to see what you got going on. Is there anything you want to shout out um, before, before you have to leave? I'll just say, you know, yeah, please do join with us in this campaign. We're on a mission to deliver greater safety for all Minnesotans, uh, black, brown, or white, rich or poor, every, every, weather, every walk of life. And we're going to get it done. We have to get it done for the future of our state. And just ask for your ask for your support. Debate tomorrow? Debate tomorrow, yes, on uh, TPT Almanac time? in the evening on, on TPT Almanac. I think it's 6 p.m., 7 p.m., something like that. Uh, and then uh, and then on Sunday on KSDP in the evening as well. Great. And awesome. you know, you and I have an early morning tomorrow. Yeah, we, we have an early morning. We actually have to uh, – we don't have to. We want to. But we're going to be – on Twin Cities News Talk tomorrow morning at about 7 a.m. So tune in, tune in to yeah. that. So and, uh, you can either listen on AM 1130 or FM 103.5. Just depends on where you where you at. And you can also listen on uh, online iTunes. I think so. Yeah. So Jim, be sure to call in tomorrow. Deal. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, thank you guys. It's I been a pleasure to be you. with you. And yeah. Before we end the show here, I, I know that we're probably throwing this out out here on on uh on our producer gabe but whenever i think about someone that hates cops for being cops i want them to think about this look if you hate cops just because they're cops the next time you get in trouble 
call a crackhead. That's right. I'm AK Kamara. <laughs> I'm Jai Hansen. You've been listening to Black and Blue with AK and Officer Jai. See you next time. NBC.